You're listening to a sermon preached at Sojourn Midtown. What does it mean to put our hope in a God we can't see? What does it mean to walk the walk of faith? This is our sermon series, Water and Blood, Finding Rest in Jesus, Our High Priest. Although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation again. You need milk, not solid food. Now everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with a message about righteousness because he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teaching about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works, faith in God, teaching about ritual washings, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And we will do this if God permits. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, peace be with you. All right. It's good to see you. If you are a first time guest, welcome. My name is Jamal. I'm one of the pastors here. I am thrilled uh, that you are here and we are happy that you are here uh, to worship with us today. I'm going to pray and then we are going to dive into today's text. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for waking us up this morning and starting us on our way. We thank you that you are a father who loves us and who knows us and who treasures us in Christ Jesus. And I pray, Father God, that you would give us the blessing and the grace right now to be attentive to your word, to search your scriptures, to learn from you so that we can look more like Jesus, so that we can build our foundation upon him who is a solid rock. Holy Spirit, we need you to magnify Jesus through the word. Even now, Lord. In Jesus' name we do pray and the church said, Amen. The story is told of a teacher who was really wrestling with how do I get my students to move on from the foundational teachings of this class into the deeper teachings, into the, the things about this discipline that is going to carry them on make them more excited, help them to be better students. And so as she's pondering and wrestling with this question, she comes up with an idea. And as she goes into the classroom the next day, she starts off by telling them, today we are going to move on from the foundational teachings of the discipline that we've been studying. And we're going to go to something that is just as exciting um, that you need to learn in order to be a better student who is able to apply this discipline to your lives. And she saw the students started to perk up. Now, historically, in this classroom, students were pretty sluggish. They were pretty lazy. They were a bit behind where they're supposed to be in the semester. And so right as she saw them looking and perking up, she closed the textbook and she said, y'all, I'm so sorry. I made a mistake. <laughs> I thought y'all was the second class that comes after you. 
you guys still hadn't learned the basic foundations. We can't build upon this. I can't take you further in this semester. My bad. <laughs> and suddenly the students started looking around, specifically one young lady, as she has been trying to hold on to this foundation, is ready to move on. And she raised her hand. She said, no, no, we're ready. Listen, we're ready. Whatever we need to do to move on and to build upon what we've already learned, we're ready to do so. And suddenly all the students perked up. They said, yes, teach us, show us, make us even more excited about the foundation that we have laid. This teacher used all of her pedagogical skills, all of her, her, her people, per- she used a little bit of reverse psychology to get the attention of her class so that they can go deeper into the things of that discipline. And in today's text, and today's sermon, we're picking back up on the book of Hebrews. And we know starting in chapter one, the author of Hebrews is, is writing so masterfully and artistically and using every bit of skill that he has to, to shepherd his congregation so that they can go and continue to grow in Jesus. But the problem is this congregation has become lazy. They've become sluggish. They haven't been tending to their heart as they should. They've become discouraged because they are beginning to be uh, persecuted. They're beginning to face social diminishment. They're beginning to sense a sense of isolation from their family as their family who are uh, uh, Jewish are concerned about the fact that they're saying that salvation is in this man named Jesus and him alone. And so this congregation is beginning to see cracks in their foundation. They're beginning to learn or to teach others that maybe salvation isn't in Jesus alone. Maybe it's in Jesus plus Torah law. Maybe it's in Jesus plus these symbols. Maybe it's in in Jesus and the patriarchs or and angels. And the author here is saying, listen, y'all, I want us to move on and to learn about the intricacies and beautiful things that we need to learn about Jesus. But we can't move on because many of you are playing with the foundation. So here he writes them in such a a beautiful way. And he actually in verses five, chapter five, verse 11 through chapter six, verse 20 is going to give them a massive warning. A massive warning that if they do not accept the foundational teachings that he's been preaching, then their spiritual immaturity will lead to apostasy. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to help us to move from immaturity to maturity. And in order to move from immaturity to maturity, sometimes we need an extra motivation. Sometimes we need a, a pastoral kind of kick in the butt. And so here's the message today. (laughs) Spiritual immaturity is the pathway to apostasy. Spiritual immaturity is the pathway to apostasy. If you apostasy, if you are not actively, listen, diligently pursuing Jesus, you will eventually go adrift. 
What is spiritual apostasy? Michael Kruger has a great quote in his book on Hebrews that just lays it out uh, clearly when he writes this about apostates. Apostates are those who seem to be a believer, was part of Christ's visible church, participated in the faith community, and then later rejected Christ, turned away from sound teaching, and left the church. Or in short, apostates are those who were once devoted to Christ and inside the church, but are no longer. They once appeared to be devoted to Christ, but are no longer. And that's why today, Sojourn, I come to to urge you, I come to urge you to pursue Jesus with all diligence so that you can know him and mature in him, which leads to wisdom. Pursuing Jesus with all diligence so that you can know him and mature in him so that you can make and live the wise life, a kingdom life, a life that's full of joy and peace, a life that is cultivating long-suffering and patience, a life that would allow you to be salt in darkness, a life that will allow you to persevere to the end so that when you die, you will see your beautiful Savior. So in today's text, I want us to look really quickly at four signs of spiritually immature Christians. Four signs of spiritually immature Christians. And the first is this. Spiritually immature Christian is habitually lazy towards the things of Christ. Habitually lazy towards the things of Christ. Verse 11, we have a great deal to say about this and it is difficult to explain. A great deal to say about what? Well, in chapter 5, starting in chapter 4, really the, the, uh, the preacher is preaching to his congregation about Jesus as our great high priest. And he's going to lay out this beautiful, long argument from chapter 4 all the way to chapter 10 about what it means that Jesus Christ is our great high priest. But in order to get there, he has to make sure he has the congregation's attention because this is building upon the foundation of Jesus. This is, 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 is past just the entry level conversation of what it means to be a Christian. And if you don't get the foundation, then you won't be able to receive this deeper uh, teaching about Christ. And so he says to them, listen, we have a great deal to say about this, and it is difficult to explain. That is the ministry of Jesus as our great high priest, the one who suffered for you and died so that you can have eternal life. Since you have become too lazy to understand the first mark of spiritual immaturity is habitual laziness, sluggishness. Just yesterday, my family and I, we went to um, the church that I formerly pastored to go to the funeral services of a man named Clarence Moody. Uh, Clarence Moody is like a father figure to me and my wife, one of the first people we met in Louisville, a grandfather figure to our kids. It was their first um, real personable loss that they experienced. And while we were there, um, I was just amazed at how this man who never preached from a pulpit and while I was there, never addressed the congregation as a whole, 
had such a deep impact on so many people. He couldn't have children, but he has so many dozens of spiritual children who call him father. He was a former uh, member of the military. He was a mechanic and he used his skills as a mechanic to serve the body throughout my time there and even here. This man loved Jesus. He poured himself out for Jesus and he didn't need a pulpit to do so. He's just a godly man. There's a couple of things I learned about from Papa Moody. One was to trust the providence of God. He will always say you can look at things from two perspectives, either God's perspective or the flesh perspective, either the spirit's perspective or you can look at it from the world's perspective. Love the providence of God. And then he would always talk about how he was just a tool in the master's hand. God would pick him up and he would use us all and do his will through us all. And then when it was time for us to go home, he would safely uh, put us uh, down so that we could be in the arms of Jesus and move on. It was powerful, man, seeing and hearing so many people talk about how he poured himself out to them. But the thing about Papa Moody that I was always impressed with inside his um, home, he had a, a prayer room and the only thing he did in there was pray. The only thing he did in there was talk about Jesus. And if you go to that prayer room, you will see his Bible, his Sunday school lesson, some markers, some pens, as he was always seeking to go deeper into Jesus Christ. He did not settle. He did not settle. Jesus wasn't just a lofty idea. He was a real person who saved him from darkness and brought him into his marvelous light. And he became the center of his life. And he bore fruit and taught others about Jesus. There's another family that reminds me of what it means to reject spiritual laziness. And it's a family um, that has received a personal loss themselves. And many of you all know who I'm talking about is we had a family who uh, had a tragedy this week. Um, and in the midst of loss, in the midst of pain, as I'm preparing this sermon and I'm looking at them this week and, and we had the services here this week and according to human wisdom and logic, they should not be encouraged at all. They, they should be running maybe away from everything that they know, but instead they are anchored in the Lord and in the midst of loss, in the midst of mess, in the midst of heartache. And instead of running away and collapsing and being blown away by the wind and by the rain and by the storm, they are remaining in Christ, that anchor is holding. And the reason that that anchor is holding is because that, that father and that mother loves Jesus. And in the quiet moments of their life and throughout their life, they abided in Jesus so that when the wind came and the, the rains fell and the storm came, their foundation, their house did not sink, is not sinking, and by the grace of God will not sink. And my question for you is, would you describe your spiritual walk right now as fervent, diligent, or lazy and sluggish? Are you diligently pursuing Jesus or are you being passive? Are, you spirit, are, are your spiritual ears sharp to the voice of God or have you become dull? Is your desire to read, to study, and to listen to the Bible be preached? Or is it 
fading. What God has to say is the most important and interesting thing that there is in this universe. Has it become boring to you? If so, what's become more beautiful? What's become more beautiful than the God who created the heavens and the earth and who made you fearfully and wonderfully in his image? who called you out of darkness and brought you into the marvelous light, who says that you are the apple of his eye, who allowed his son to die for you. What is more beautiful? What is more important? How is Satan deceiving you? How is he luring you away from the one with whom you used to be so excited? What happened to your first love? Second, mark of spiritual immaturity is not only laziness towards the things of Christ, but it's the inability to teach others the things that you have been taught. Look at the passage. He goes on in verse 12, he says, although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation again. Now, here's what the author is saying. He's saying, listen, some of you all have been jiving with me. This is the JSV version, all right? Jamal Standard Version. It's the hood version. It's good. It's good if you like it. I'm joking. He says, listen, some of y'all, man, we've been, we've been at this a while, and you ought to be a teacher. Now, when he says teacher here, he's not using the word teacher in a technical word as someone who is proclaiming and preaching on a Sunday gathered. I don't think that that's what he has in mind. I think what he has in mind is, listen, every person who is in Christ, who has been saved out of darkness into the marvelous light should have the ability after a time to correctly and passionately share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. We should have the ability to articulate to people what it means to be in Christ, how one is saved. And not only that, we should have the, 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 the desire as we abide in Christ and as he, his word abides in us, it just naturally comes out. We just naturally begin to, to bear fruit. And that's irrespective of our personality. The shy person becomes emboldened and they might not have a voice that just, that just makes people stop in their track, but they all whisper about Jesus because they once were lost and now they're, they're found. They were blind and now they see. He said, you ought to be teaching others, but we've got to revisit the basics about what it means to follow Jesus. The spiritual lazy person has perhaps been a Christian for a year, two years, three years, five years, 20 years but still don't understand the gospel of Jesus Christ and can't explain it to others. Sometimes I I realize that people who are maybe are in this category are people who can explain other things in great depth. Sports stats, gotcha. Where to eat in the city, gotcha. What's happening on what? The Real Housewives of Atlanta? Mm. Gotcha. I'm going to say gotcha. 
But when it comes about the spiritual things of God, they're not able to teach others. Third mark of a spiritually lazy person is they have a desire for milky sermons, milky teachings rather than solid food. Look at the text. preacher says this, although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation again. You need milk, not solid food. Now, everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature. Spiritually immature person They're not ready to go into the the mysteries about Jesus. Their their attention span is really short when it comes up to the things of God. And they remain on milk. You know, when I was uh, younger, and you guys remember the milk ads, right? Milk ads was incredible. It's probably like the top 10 marketing things of the world. Got milk? I mean, it got us so much that we thought that milk, like if you drunk milk, you had a, a balanced diet. Y'all remember that? <laughs> I remember being a kid and I kind of hit my growth spurt a little earlier than I was anticipating. Thought I was supposed to be my father's height at 6'3", and I got my mother's jeans, and I just started drinking more milk, right? I'm like, oh, we're going to work through this. <laughs> they got us. But milk is not what is necessary Um, to to grow physically, and it's not what's necessary to grow spiritually. Even as a child, there comes a point with an infant when you introduce solid food to them. And the preacher here is saying, listen, y'all are still on milk. Now, he's not going to go and explicitly explain what meat is, but we can see to him what it was important for this congregation to understand about meat was part of was just this Christology, this picture of Christ as our great high priest. He's going to model that for us, but he is going to explain to us what is the milk that they're still on. And I believe he does that in chapter six, verses one through two. He's going to give us three couplings that really show what they still have not yet mastered. And what he's doing here is he's not telling them to move on from it in a sense of no longer talk about it. But he's going to say move on from it as in these things that I'm about to teach you and tell you, they are the foundation of what it means to enter into um, a relationship with Jesus Christ. And as a foundation, though, they're not where you stop. You have to build on that foundation. So he's not, and you see this kind of move on. What is he saying? We'll move on. He's not saying don't care about it anymore. He's saying, no, this is what you stand on, but you've got to grow. If you're building a house from the ground up and you're six months in into an eight month project and you come back six months later and everyone is standing there looking at the, at the foundation, you're going to say, hey, what about the rest of the house? It's time to move on. We've got the foundation laid. So let's look at these couplings about what is the milk of the word. It's a necessity. It helps us to grow, but what we have to make sure we build on. First, he says, going on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and faith in God. So if you went to this preacher's new membership class, the first thing he's going to teach you is that salvation is a result of repentance and turning to God by faith, foundational. 
One is saved by faith. They turn away from a life of sin, committed to oneself, to Jesus. Second, it's teachings about ritual washings, laying on of hands, the resurrection of, we'll stop there. Teachings about ritual washings, laying laying on of hands. Now, here's the thing. You listen to different commentators, how they all say essentially the same thing, but some of them may argue about what is happening here. Here's what I think is happening here. Here in some translation, it says ritual teachings, washings, washings. And uh, I think that what the author is doing here is talking about baptism, but he's doing it in a way that shows us that he probably was talking to these Jewish Christians comparing their ritual washings under the old covenant to what baptism is. And so he's probably taught them, hey, here's what ritual washings to us um, as those who did not know Jesus according to Torah law look like, but here's what baptism is for Christian. And then laying hand on hand, laying on of hands in the old covenant and throughout the old testament looked one way. Well, in the new covenant and with the new church, we saw that they still laid on of hands, but it did not count or look towards a salvific, a salvific way. Other than the instances that we see in Acts, when we see that God is making a point that Gentiles have received the Spirit just as uh, Jews have. And so he's probably teaching this so that they don't fall into a trap. Third, he says the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. This is the foundation. This is the milk that everyone has to know that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Those who place their faith and trust in him one day will be raised from the dead as well. But there is an eternal judgment. We read this in Hebrews chapter 9. Verse 27 and 28. And just as it is appointed for people to die once and after this this judgment, so also Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. And this would have been a part of this preacher's congregation's class the milk of the word, the foundation of the world. But what is the church of Hebrews, his congregation doing? They're saying, no, that's not the foundation. The foundation is Jesus plus angels, emphasizing angels, Jesus plus the patriarchs, Jesus plus the symbols and signs of the old covenant. And this teacher, this preacher, just like the teacher in the beginning is saying, I want to move on to tell you about more rich things in Christ, but I can't because y'all are taking a jackhammer to the foundation. And that's a sign of spiritual immaturity. Listen, if you're here today and you have not settled in your heart, that salvation is in Jesus Christ and him alone, and you're a member of this church and you consider yourself a Christian, you are spiritually immature and you are headed towards apostasy. If you're here today and you say that salvation is more than being saved by grace through faith 
in Christ Jesus, that there is another way than Christ Jesus. Listen to me. Hebrews 13 says that one day I will have to stand along with your pastors before God and give an account for your soul. You are being deceived. You are headed towards destruction. If you're here today and you're saying that I'm a Christian and I want to be obedient to Jesus, I've been walking with Jesus for a long time, but I do not want to be baptized. I don't want to take that public symbol of faith. We're not saved by baptism, but it is a sign of an inward transformation. It is a public declaration that Jesus Christ is Lord. If you're saying, hey, at the end of the judgment day, um, there's a chance for people who don't know Jesus as Lord. If you're a faithful Muslim, if you follow Confucius, if you're great at yoga, if you're a kind person, listen, you are being deceived. So I want to encourage you not to be spiritually lazy. Talk to a pastor. Talk to a community group leader. Read the books that they recommend and run towards Jesus. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you to place your faith in Jesus. To know that this holy and righteous and beautiful God who created the universe and the cosmos has clearly spoken to the world. And his message is, I so love the world that I gave my only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That you were made for more than this world. It is not YOLO. You live more than once. And either you're going to live in the presence of this God who loves you and who is pleading to you right now to place your faith and trust in his eternal son who is fully God and who became man for you, who wrapped himself in human flesh so that you would know how much God loves you and so that he would pay for your sins. He is inviting you today. I don't care how messed up you think you are. I don't care what you have done. Your works will not save you. That's why you need Jesus. He is telling you today that there is a love, there is a peace, there is a joy that surpasses all understanding. There is an anchor and a rootedness for your soul when everything seems to be going against you where you can say, my hope is built on nothing less but Jesus Christ and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground. It is sinking sand. Jesus will return and he will come back to get you. And everything said will become untrue. Fourth, the spiritually immature, they don't practice wisdom. Look at the text. Now, everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. The solid food. Remaining on the foundation of salvation by faith, the necessity of baptism, not to be saved, but as the first act of obedience, that Jesus Christ will return and everyone will be be judged at his appearance. And then building upon that by learning about Jesus here, his weight is going to be on Christ as high priest. But I'm telling you. There's so much to learn about Jesus. Not only him as being high priest, but him as being king and him as being prophet. 
Paul said it this way, oh, how, how deep, how wide, how long is the love of God towards you? They don't practice wisdom. Spiritually immature persons, their senses aren't distinguished to, to be able to see what is good and what is evil. And this reminds us right back of Adam and Eve in the garden. Who rather than building their life on God's word, allowed a serpent to play and toy with the word and to sow seeds of doubt about God's goodness towards them. And rather than be able to distinguish this, they sought to be gods of themselves and went the opposite way of what God had commanded. And this is happening all around us, especially since 2020, and it's all in the air. And we see that people in Western churches are following all kind of empty doctrines and beliefs about Jesus. They're toying with the word. They're doing all this hermeneutical gymnastics. They're reinterpreting the Bible to appeal to the lust of the eye, the pride of life, and the lust of the flesh. My encouragement to you, dearly beloved, is to keep going with diligence towards Jesus and to search for wisdom. Where do you find wisdom, though? Proverbs 2 says this, my son, if you accept my words and store up my commandments within you, listening closely to wisdom and directing your heart to understanding if you seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasure, then you will understand righteousness, justice, and integrity, every good path for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be, will delight you. And if you go to and read that entire passage, which I encourage you to do, it's just such rich imagery of what it looks like to fear the Lord, is to search, is to seek, is to be diligent. It's the opposite of being lazy and sluggish. That's how you know true justice and not get caught up in these uh, justice movements that use kind of Christian language and, and appeal to the heart. And, but, but at the root of it, it is really evil and, and goes against the way of God. You want to know true righteousness? Look at Jesus Christ, who is our righteousness and who showed us what righteousness is by caring about those in the gutter to the uttermost and calling them all to put their faith and trust in him. Some of us, we have been in the same place spiritually and our lives are full of habitual confusion and lack Peace. And according to James chapter 3, it says that worldliness leads to habitual confusion and a lack of peace. And those who are walking in the spirit, they have a, a mark upon their life. Yes, things get a little, we're, uh, uh, you know, out of sorts sometimes. And, and we walk in the flesh sometimes. But those who are following Jesus, their life begins to be marked more and more by wisdom. Paul said it's marked by love and peace and long suffering and joy and kindness. It's a countercultural way of living. It's 
upside down. Spirit is telling us, y'all, it's time to grow up. It's time to move. How do we do that? Really quickly. It's by pursuing Jesus with all diligence so that you can know him and mature in him, which leads to wise living. When I say diligent, I mean it means to be earnest. It means to have a steady conviction or pursuit. Eugene Peterson calls it long obedience in the same direction. And some of us are beginning to turn away from that long obedience in the same direction because we have not centered our life on Jesus, but we're centering it on other things. This diligence doesn't necessarily mean passion. It is accompanied by passion, but sometimes we will not be passionate in the same way that we were in yesteryear, maybe about Jesus or have the same excitement. But diligence is we have set our eyes on Jesus and that mark, and we are steady walking towards him by faith and trusting in him. Author of Hebrews says this in Hebrews eleven six. 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who earnestly, who diligently seek him. He's a rewarder. If your joy is low, keep seeking him. Your faith is low, keep seeking him. Your heart is broke, keep seeking him. Your soul is dry, keep seeking him. You're confused in your mind, keep seeking him. I mean, the psalmists, they, they model this so well. Psalm 42, 1 and 2, and this is in the context of his soul being dry. He cries out to God as a deer longs for flowing streams. So I long for you, God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come? When can I come and appear before you? Psalm 63, God, you are my God. I eagerly seek for you. I thirst for you. My body faints for you in a land that is dry and desolate and without water. So I gaze on you in a sanctuary to see your strength and your glory. My lips will glorify you because your faithful love is better than life. Listen, when you feel dry, when you have doubts, when you uh, don't feel like pressing in towards the Lord, that is the time to get on your face, to worship him and to beg him, Lord, I need you. I will die without you. I will fade away without you. Apostasy is waiting at the door. Save me. Feel me. Jesus said, listen, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. What are you hungering and thirsting after right now? What has your attention? Who has your attention? Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Listen, I don't know about you, but man, I want to be a part. I don't want to play church. 
don't want to play church. I don't want to just come to a church and go through the motions. I don't want to be, a, I don't want to personally be, and I don't want to be a part of a church that is about form, the form of godliness, but not knowing his power. I believe that God is powerful and he wants to do a work in me and in you and in our church, that he wants to fill up the city with his glory, that he wants to stir up a, a countercultural movement who believes that he is still able to save, that he still cares for the weak and the vulnerable, that he is worthy to be praised and adored and worshiped. And that he can take us individually and collectively in his hand and use us as a tool to pull down principalities of darkness and rulers of this world through prayer and fasting and reading his word and community, the ordinary means of grace. And that we all can look back on the day when Jesus returned and say, look what God has done. He's used a, a ragamuffin, broken, ordinary people to make changes in hundreds of people's lives. Why settle? Let's stop selling. Let's just go home. Let's close the doors. Let's find another church. Plant your own churches if we're going to settle. Let's not settle. Let's see how beautiful Jesus is, this Jesus who saved you who cares for you, who's interceding for you, is calling you, despite how you feel, to be diligent. Now, I understand there's some church hurt. Some of us who are like, Pastor Jamal, I want to be diligent. I want to do this, but you don't understand. And I don't want to minimize your hurt. I'm not going, I don't want to do it. Nope. It's real. I've been hurt. We should sit down and talk about church hurt. But we serve a savior who experienced church hurt and who didn't give up on the church. We have a New Testament within 100 years of the life of Jesus that shows how Christians hurt each other. And the answer isn't to abandon the church and abandon the teachings of Jesus. It's actually to go deeper in the church and experience the spirit allowing us to forgive each other, deal with messiness and walk towards Christ together so that he would be glorified. You know what babies do? A lot of, they're beautiful, they're cute. Mm. Goo, 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 gaga. <laughs> but they cry a lot. Him so cute, him just a baby. He just crying about everything. That's some of us, we're still spiritually immature, so we just complain and cry about everything. Well, the worship music isn't there. And if only we had, if Pastor Jamal just would. It's like, I hear you, some of that is real, but my goodness, grow up. People are dying and going to hell. They're looking for Jesus. Give them Jesus. All right. We can't do this in our own strength. Chapter 6, verse 3 of Hebrews. I love how he closes it. He says, listen. This is all possible if God wills. The answer is not to white knuckle it. The answer isn't to make a list and say, I'm going to do better this week. The answer is to run to Jesus, to get on your face, to cry out to him, to talk about it with community and to beg God, God, make my heart alive with you. Give me perseverance. And he will. Let's pray. 
Hi, I'm Jamal Williams, lead pastor of Sojourn Midtown. Thanks for listening. At Midtown, we value gospel-centeredness, biblical faithfulness, transformative relationships, diverse fellowship, creativity in the arts, and relentless mission. For more sermons, info about our church, visit sojournchurch.com slash midtown.